Sorry, I'm drinking as we record tonight. <laughs> I, I, so I went and bought a fucking White Claw. <laughs> okay, you're making me feel better. I'm drinking a Mike's Hard Lemonade. <laughs> oh, my God. So I bought this tonight at Walmart. And here's the thing. I didn't have my ID on me. <laughs> and the kid that was checking me out was like, well, I can't serve, sell it to you. And I was like, okay. Well, then that's fine. I I left my ID in my truck. I'm not going to hold everybody up. But he goes to cancel it out. And, of course, he can't figure out how to cancel the order. And we had to wait like 10 minutes on uh, his supervisor to get there to cancel it. And then the supervisor takes one look at me and goes, oh, he can have it. Yeah. He's obviously 21. You know, the people in line behind you in line were just pissed off. Oh, God, you know it. Um, so I was that guy today, and it was fantastic. So I'm drinking a black cherry white claw, and I've got to tell you, it's horrible. Um, <laughs> white claws are horrible. Yeah, I don't know how people drink this shit. It's like the Zima of 2020. Yeah, I, I don't even remember Zima being this bad. Like, this is like club soda gone like that sat out for a day. I only drink them every once in a while because like the other moms will bring them to softball tournaments and I won't turn down a free drink. And so, but yeah, I, I it's, it's like seltzer water is gross to begin with. Why you would think it would taste better with alcohol in it. I don't know, but. Yeah. I've got a glass of water here too, just to wash it down with. <laughs> so you're uh, drinking a Mike Hard lemonade. That's yeah. Yeah. I like the cranberry flavor, and those are hard to find unless it's Christmas time. So you like have to like scour stores and buy all the six packs of them when you find them. So we've got we've got quite a bit to cover. We this got week. a lot. There's been a lot the last few weeks going on in social media land. There has been, and and the cool part, you know, we've got some cool stuff this week. I mean, this show, I have to say, I think we're gonna. I think we're going to do some neat things here, and uh, we're probably going to piss some people off. So that's exciting. Well, we do that on any given day without even trying. So, yeah, we're professional. <laughs> okay, so let's get started. Uh, welcome to the No Shit Show. I'm Conrad, one of your co-hosts, and meat does belong in a pie. And I'm saying that because I believe it, but also because. One of our listeners uh, hashtagged, does meat belong in pies? And that was from uh, Evan at HV underscore Holsteins. And it was a, a question posed for the No Shit Show. And so I'm going to say, yes, uh, meat belongs in a pie. Meat belongs in anything. Put it in a cake. I don't care. Ooh. <laughs> Reminds me of those bacon top donuts I've seen. Oh, I, I have posted some of those bacon top donuts. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I can't mix my bacon and a donut. You know me. I, it's like the chocolate and peanut butter thing. But, I mean, I, I like people who eat more bacon. But I have I to would... agree. Meat belongs in a pie. I, I, I make shepherd's pie constantly. It's what keeps my family fed at least once a week. They love it. Uh, meat should always be in pies. Meat should be everywhere. And, uh, and I am Michelle, by the way. And uh, my little factoid this week is that Twizzlers is growing on me. About a year ago, we had a big discussion on Twitter, a few of us, about like how, you know, being from the West Coast, red vines are the, the best licorice out there. But I got stuck in a situation a few months ago where all I could get were Twizzlers. And I, I 
ate them. And since then, I, I haven't minded Twizzlers so much. Yeah, Red Vines are still the best, but I, I will take Twizzlers now, too. So, just go ahead and wave goodbye to our one listener. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Oh, Michelle. <laughs> okay, well, on that note, let's go ahead and get started. <laughs> um, so like I said, we've got, a, we've got a lot to get to this week, folks, and... Um, I'm going to start us off. I think first we need to do our ad, don't we? Yes, I was about to correct you. we got to do our sponsor, dude. Yeah, do do the sponsor. (laughs) All right. Team Phoenix is a group of services designed to help startups, small to mid-level content producers, artists, and business owners with the power of professional agency support for their growth. Services include graphic, print, and web design, peer support, and an audience. Whether you want to brand your business or start a podcast, Team Phoenix is there to support you. They're not going to support you when they find out that you like Twizzlers. Hey, I said that Red Vines are still still number one, but if it's in a pinch, I will eat Twizzlers. Oh, okay. They're a little bit waxy, but I'll, I'll take it. A I'll little it. bit waxy? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, I've been stuck in a house with four teenagers for over a month. I will take what I can get. I guess there are extenuating circumstances. Exactly. All right. So I'll get to our first tweet, and this is from Twitter. Our first post is from J.D. Biddle, uh, and he's, his Twitter handle is at scurvy underscore Pete, and he hashtagged the show. And basically, he's posting, despite everything else going on, Ag also has to deal with econ professors who, as my fraternity brother put it, don't understand that farmers are price takers as a basic principle, and literally do not possess the ability to price gouge. And what he is tweeting about, and he screenshots this, and I guess it's from Facebook. He had uh, sent in a paper to his professor about Thank a Farmer or Ag or, or whatever. And the professor wrote him back and said, so you're you're fine screwing 327 million Americans with higher prices to benefit only about 6,000 people because they're quote unquote farmers. That's a bit unkind. Screw the farmers, grow something else, go bankrupt, whatever they're price gouging. (laughs) You know, it's not the first time I've seen an econ professor with this take. I don't know if you remember a few months ago, I tweeted about, you know, when pe- I'm always surprised that people who complain about subsidies forget that um, that a part of the reason, you know, the farm bill is written the way it is, is to help keep food prices lower for other people. And the, and the government for the longest time controlled commodity prices on that end. And there was an econ professor over in Tennessee that just went after me about it because I was commenting that the, the government, you know, controls my, the price of my fruit. And she was arguing that they did. And I said, you know, as we can see what's happening right now in the world, the government has a lot of influence on what happens. But it seems to be um, for non-ag econ economists, they have a, this huge misunderstanding that, especially the ones in education, that we, we have, con- farmers have control. And they don't. I mean, you pay shipping both ways. You take what you can get. Sometimes it's under. And so... Uh, it's, it, I don't even know how you begin to get the point across that 
that it's the middleman that are the price gouging. I mean, you know, as I was reading today, farmers only make 15 cents on the dollar for anything that's sold on average. That tells you the bulk of it is happening between all those middlemen that do processing and trading and selling. They're the ones price gouging. And it's an uphill battle. How do you explain this to people? It's really tough to navigate this. uh, And and there's a lot of layers to it. But first, uh, you know, this is an example of when, and you're a teacher, but Mm -hmm. but I want to point this out. When people say, you know, teachers teach because they can't do. And I don't like that statement, but this professor is the reason <laughs> that statement gets made. Oh, yeah. Uh, because he is a classic example of someone that obviously cannot do. Uh, and you wonder to yourself when someone takes such an ignorant stance about something they clearly know nothing about. What else do they not know anything about that they are instructing young minds and they, and they really don't know shit? Uh, in this example, and it's a non-ag econ professor, um, it, it clearly spoke out of turn. Uh, that's not how you enlighten young minds. Um, that's not critical thinking or teaching people to think critically. Uh, that's just blatant, biased ignorant bullshit uh yes farmers are price takers their only solution to low prices is to raise more product and that's a really tough spot to be in because more product means more low prices you know you're it's a catch-22 and and we've seen it covered time and time again so yeah they're price takers and it's really hard to, uh, to, to read something like this from someone in a position that, you know, they're going to teach people who don't know anything about ag this same empty, baseless rhetoric. And that's really sad. And then you wonder, okay, if this person is talking about something that I don't know anything about and I deem this, them as an expert because they're my professor, am I going to take what they say with a grain of salt or am I going to take it as gospel? I've got a real problem with it. As an educator, as an educator, that the response is completely inappropriate and unprofessional. But, you know, college professors sometimes take things from a different angle. And I was wondering if maybe with with the student, if this was some sort of the editing process, was he playing devil's advocate to for the student to create a bigger argument? But, you know, because I had professors do that, too, in college, like they purposely will give you feedback that's controversial but it's not really written as feedback this is just looks like him just complaining yeah and completely completely unprofessional inappropriate like if that's how he should ask some questions of the student and you know how you know it's obvious he does not understand the whole method from farm to table i mean all the middlemen but it's yeah, that that is a problem. I remember when I was in college, you know, and I was an ag when I was doing my ag education. Sometimes we'd get kicked over to the non-ag part of the education department and to take a few classes. And there was a lot of misconceptions over there, and talking about, you know, we had talked about literacy and getting people to read, and they thought the only thing in ag ed we were going to have kids read was a tractor manual, and so which was kind of funny. Uh, not getting that there's a lot of science and literature behind agriculture, also, um, you know. It's one of those things where we're often ignorant, too, about 
um, other careers. And, you know, it does go both ways, but this guy should definitely be asking more questions and assuming less because he is in a position to shape young minds. And no wonder why there's a lot of misinformation going around about farming and American agriculture and commodities if, if this is what's being taught by, by professors. You know what keeps going through my mind? How the fuck do people drink White Claw? <laughs> um, um, so I think you need to have a shot first. You should like take a shot of Jack or two or something better than that. Good God! And then White Claw will go down smoother. Uh, yeah, I guess. Okay. So the next one is an Instagram post. Yay! Our first Instagram. Right. All right, I'll go ahead and read it. And I'm going to go back to my original two screenshots of it. And this is from C. Jess Farm. She's um, on, on Twitter, but she's mostly on Instagram. And she's a dairy farmer somewhere in the United States. And she posts a lot of great stuff about life on a dairy. And um, so lately she has been posting these uh, uh, kind of like um, truths that people write anonymously mm-hmm. um, just to get people talking. And it has to do a lot with mental health and um, and so these are farm truths or how farmers are feeling that they're afraid to speak out about. And so this one kind of hit me because it's how I feel sometimes. So I'm going to go ahead and read it and then we'll talk about it. So it says, the, and, and this is not Jess, but this is um, an anonymous thought that someone sent to her. The farming community of Instagram is starting to considerably have an impact on my mental health. It's almost like middle school. I support everyone's projects. I buy all the t-shirts. I do all the hashtags I'm asked. I have purchased endless items from all different types of farms. I'm not included in secret groups. I don't get invited to take uh, part in any events. I constantly wonder why. Am I not pretty enough? Is my farm not nice enough? Did I offend someone? Why am I never included? I used to enjoy learning about all the other farms, but now it's just farmers talking to each other with endless inside jokes I'm not part of. Sometimes I think advocating just isn't for me anymore. It takes me to one of the darkest places I've ever been in a long time. It's hard to hear that. And and she wrote uh, more mm-hmm. on the post about her own experience, um, you know, below that photo where she thought a lot about this and what it meant to her and how it used to be her. And that's mm-hmm. why she posted it. And then she went went on to explain, you know, how she has learned to handle it by stepping away and trying to basically view it in a broader sense uh, of life rather yeah. than, you know. And I think that's a problem that we see with social media is it can get so intense that we forget to remember that it's just social media. Mm-hmm. It's just Instagram. It's just Twitter. It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with putting your socks on in the morning or what you're going to have for lunch or your work day or your kids or, or spouse. All those things are more critical than social media. I think it's because you have people doing social media in different ways. You have the ones that are doing it for the pure entertainment piece and like to see what people are doing and have a good laugh and then you have others who who social media have become more ingrained and intertwined with their life and this is their connection to the outside world and so feeling left out is completely possible in that sense because 
you know, it's become such a big part of their life. Um, and I'll admit social media is a big part of my life because this is one of the few ways I get to talk to other adults. Sure. Look, this is the no shit show. And so we're going to talk about the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. And the elephant in the room is that, yeah, there is a, I guess a popularity contest that seems a little more accelerated on Instagram than maybe Twitter. I, I don't spend a great deal of time on Instagram. I struggle with the platform. Uh, I struggle liking it. I struggle with people that post 30 Insta stories a day. I can't get through it. I don't have that kind of time. I can't commit myself to it. Um, and when I can commit myself to it, I, I can't understand like why it's not in an IGTV format, um, or, you know, why, why people don't use it more seamlessly. I don't get the inside jokes. I don't really care. I can only draw on my own experience. And this past week, someone that I have followed since I can remember on Twitter, uh, and who has my personal number, I was on a thread with them and they said to me, what are you doing down here with us? And I know that he meant it jokingly, mm-hmm. um, but it was funny because part of it was true. I don't know why some people wind up with a popularity on one platform and not another or why some people become platforms popular on a platform and others don't I don't know mm-hmm. it was never my goal to be popular on a platform and I did all I do know is that as as popularity has grown and I've started to do more things and my kids have gotten older and my and as I take a larger and larger role running my business mm-hmm. I, I have less of me to give and I feel bad because, you know, when something like that gets said to me, it really hurts. Not, not in the way that I resented that person, but in a way that, yeah, you know, when was the last time I was on a thread with them and having fun and just doing social media for the sake of doing social media and appreciating other people. And, you know, I want to try to do more of that, but at the same time, it's, hard to dedicate the time to it always and I wonder if some of the people in the Instagram groups that have become popular feel that same way I don't know they might some might not but I do feel for anyone that feels left out and you know someone said to me once people will forgive you for a mistake and people will forgive you for wronging them and people will forgive you for many things, but something that you'll almost never be forgiven for is a perceived slight. Uh, And that, that has always stuck with me. And I've, I've tried to live my life a way where I didn't give anyone a perceived slight, but I'm sure there's somebody out there that feels why we don't make lists on Twitter. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it, it seriously it is and then so i think that you know when you start looking at what happens with some of those insta stories do i do i personally care if i'm included i'd prefer not to be 
but I'm sure there are people that wanted to be part of that group that wanted to be in that club and have felt alienated. To me, this just comes from a very real you know, place. I, I completely feel for whoever wrote this. I, I completely get it. You know, I, I've tried to do Instagram for a few times and I'll see my people that I'm really good friends with Twitter on. And it is a little bit more dangerous because you have some strange people showing up to the game. You can't hide. You can't hide. But, man, I completely get Instagram. I, you know, some people have been bugging me that I need to get on it more. And I think I I kind of avoid it because I do feel like the outsider there. And as you said, it's, I think there's a lot more work you need to do on Instagram because Twitter, I can get up and I, you know, I can get on in the morning. I'm still in bed. I've not put on my pants yet. And I can start. And you go on and you try and interact with them on Instagram. And it's just not the same. It's kind of like, you know, like, you know, when you're growing up, one, a kid would be friend with you in one place, but they're not friends with you in another place, you know. And, that's, <laughs> and sometimes it's just like all imagined. And, you know, this goes back to the reason why I just love Twitter over Instagram. And I know that Twitter is a sinking ship, but it's everything is out there and anyone can join in part of the discussion you don't really have to seek it out because it's just all in a feed and anyone can add their point point in and anyone can talk to each other. While Instagram, you kind of have to like go seek it out and find it and go to their page. And then your friends yeah, can't say and that's a your friends can't see what you're saying unless they've gone on the page also. It's just it. Yeah. But for the same reason why I love Twitter is a lot of people don't because that is where you guys get confusing and making comments and making jokes and all that. Instagram, like, you know, I have to brush my teeth and do my hair and make sure I'm appropriate. And it's just a lot more yep. work. A great Twitter post takes, you know, five yeah. seconds. Uh, a great Instagram post or TikTok video takes like, you know, time and investment and great for the people that can do that and make it all work and make it look like make, make it look effortless. Um, and CJS Farm yeah. is on TikTok, and she's got a fabulous TikTok. She was one of the first people I ever followed on TikTok, and she's so great because she, you know, she has a good Instagram following, and she has a good TikTok following, and she has no airs mm-hmm. about her whatsoever. Um, and that's why I was so happy to use this post because she's, you know, such a. Hey, great and you know, person. if you're out there, you're listening, and you feel l- left out on Instagram. You know, you could be my Instagram friend. I, I I'm trying, I'm trying, yeah. to get, I'm trying to find my place there. <laughs> so, yep. Anyway, or her at is CJS Farm on Instagram, and I think it's that on TikTok. And folks, yep. you ought to give her a follow Definitely. because a good person, yep. and good. Content. And then you know, if we're getting some people that are just listening the first time because we address Instagram, you know, anything you see on Instagram, hashtag it the No Shit Show, and we can talk about it because. We're, tr- we're trying to branch out. You betcha. And let me see what I've got. You want here. me to do this one since I found it too? This one. Oh, no. You need to do this one because this is our. This is another one that we yeah, branched this out, one's isn't off it? Facebook. And so. Um, yeah. I, I'm a member of a group called My Job Depends on Ag. And I have a love hate relationship with that group. Um, I loosely know the guys who started it and they started it for great reasons. But it's just been. It, it's become so big it's got a lot of flavor in it lack of better words but um jenny splitter she is on twitter and she's a science mom 
Um, and she is a reporter of ag and science topics. She's a great supporter of agriculture. Um, and so she, I, I'm not Facebook friends with her, but I came across her post on my job depends on ag. And she said, hello group. I'm a jur- journalist working on a story for Forbes about pressures on food producers right now, including ranchers and livestock producers. My editor has heard of farmers forced to euthanize their stock. And if this is you or you know of someone in this situation who would be willing to talk to me, please let me know. If you want to email me rather than post here, uh, she gives her email information. If this isn't you, but the current situation is forcing other tough decisions or choices, and you work in animal ag and would be willing to talk to me by phone or for a story, please let me know. Thank you. First comment, because I saw this not long after and I followed it for a few weeks, by a woman named Jennifer. I don't know why she had this take, but it said, if you're, and of course she's the wrong version of your, looking for info to smear our community, look elsewhere. Why don't you do an article on what's in the fake meat beef? How well is that doing? <laughs> the same woman also posted another one, like screenshotting an article from Forbes um, that Jenny didn't even write and <laughs> just lambasted Jenny for it. And this is also echoed in other comments when people finally started recovering. We do have a hard enough time getting major media to hear our voices. So here we have Jenny, who's always been a great <laughs> friend to Ag, who's writing for, I mean, you can't get much bigger than Forbes. And no, you can't. Asked, or more unbiased, honestly. Yeah, it, on I'm a sorry, huge but... scale, like wanting firsthand information from the actual producer. So the real story is getting out there and people are just shitting on her and accusing her of. And, and you know just, who. God, we shoot ourselves in the foot. You know who reads Forbes, folks? I thought it was a very. And I'm not on Facebook, but when I read the post that you sent me, I thought it was a very open question um just because someone who you know wrote for forbes previously and had a take that didn't like about agriculture or didn't like about beef the movers and the shakers okay yeah and and the people who have some uh impact on society i mean they read two things forbes and the wall street journal so yeah, it's good when we're in those publications. And, and so like and Just I've saying. already seen this happen this year with journalists who were on our side. People have been crappy in them enough enough that the journalists don't want to talk to them anymore. And you know, if the journalist journalists, sorry, I'm, I'm one drink in now. That shows what a lightweight I am. If they can't talk to a producer, <laughs> they're gonna go to the next best thing. And as another commenter pointed, that's going to be some ag- advocacy group that does not have the best interests of growers in their mind. You're going to get groups like PETA right. and some random vegan on off of Twitter that remains nameless. They're the ones that are going to do the interview. You know, don't shoot ourselves in the foot anymore. Sh- fuck, people. Be smarter. Or food, babe. Like, they, uh, no they one can talk to food, to food, babe, food babe. She's, I mean... <laughs> I, I'm not saying she's literally dead, but if you I, if you've seen her numbers, and I I hope she goes back to her computer job soon because no one's listening to her anymore, which is good. <laughs> Doesn't mean that the next piece from someone else is going to be a hit. <laughs> uh, a, yeah. Okay. It, it, those publications publish conflicting stories over time. 
That's what they do. Oh, and then one other comment I want to address on it was another reply. Euthanize their stock, in quotes, is an inflammatory statement for a public Facebook page. There are animal agriculture trade associations that could assist you with a more balanced approach to a story. Euthanizing your stock is the appropriate terminology. If you have to kill off your livestock because you don't have a market, that is the term you're going to use. It's just... <sighs> no, no wonder why people hate us. No wonder why. I mean, put a fork in me. Well, we can't be yeah, made it's happy. Just, uh, someone's trying to do the right thing, and, and they just get crapped on. <laughs> I'm going to cover this next one. And he says, 170,000 people have died. But sure, bro, I'll feel sorry for you because you might have to dip into your savings over the next few weeks instead of taking the kids to Disney. Hashtag white privilege. Okay. Uh, I'm going to let you go first. I'm going to collect <laughs> my thoughts. So I came across these when... um. I noticed that Kevin Folta was having a disagreement with something and it was this person in general where someone had uh, been on Vance's uh, podcast and shared their perception of how the shutdown of their plant had occurred thanks to the COVID outbreak. And they were very upset because the truth or this guy's story didn't go along with the actual numbers. And there is a legitimate legitimate point there but thornberry farms or something like that his name is rod sure, isn't it close enough yeah whatever if it isn't rod it ought to be rod let's face it everywhere in the world there is outliers liars and some guy's personal truth is what's real to them and what i go down to that that ongoing argument and this tweet is right now there is a lot a lot of people hurting in the world. People are worried about losing their homes, their jobs, their farms, their family, everything they've built. It's not just Disney vacations they're losing. They're losing their whole life dream. And you have to have a little bit of empathy for it. You it, Believe it or not, it is possible to realize we need to shut down, but also have a concern about when we will open up and when we will allow people to put their lives back together because people are worried that it's never going to happen in the end hashtagging for white privilege though with this person did you ever see the movie can't hardly wait do you remember the character kenny played by seth green yes he was the white guy who yes he ended up offending a lot of people yeah of another yeah place, dressed up pretending like to act like that just it just reminds me of it it's like to, right. you know it just reeks of kenny to me because you know here's this obvious caucasian male you know on a privilege himself trying to shame other people when well there's nothing more annoying to people of another race than to watch someone bash mm-hmm. their own race to try to fit in with them. If you feel like your your livelihood is dying, that's not privilege. You're you're not going to feel privileged. I've had this conversation with people from other races 
and of my and with my own race and i mean we uh, collectively that's that's the consensus um so that that aside i mean i think he's talking about and he was arguing with kevin about vance crow's podcast which vance crow if you don't know um has been doing a pot a show every day since the shelter in place began sharing people's story about how they're dealing with coronavirus, shelter in place, the the lockdown, er, you know, shut down everything. And he is basically just giving anyone a platform that wants to share their story. And that may not be your story. That may not fit what you see as uh, important or pertinent to you or Mm-hmm. What you see is it's living history in society, a way. but it's yeah. their story, right? And you can, you know, I guess uh, I don't see how that's spreading misinformation. Look, because I quote tweeted it, well, I screenshot it. <laughs> Sorry, I got my evil laugh going. It. I know it's yeah, and and this is from uh, Rod Toller in real life, uh, from what it looks like to me is Rod is just upset that someone's more popular than he is, has a broader platform than he does. And rather than express a a concern about not being part of that or, you know, wanting to build their platform Mm -hmm. or gain perspective like Jess did earlier in our show, he he's taking the approach of, well, let's shit all over. Um, what they're doing instead and bash them and bash people that have lost something because clearly people that have faced economic challenges and complain about it are bad people. That's what's being portrayed by certain people uh, in, in social media. And that's just not true. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that and we said it on our show two weeks ago. Everybody's losing something here, folks. Everybody. We're all hurting. We're all going to go through something. Mm-hmm. I had friends lose jobs this week. Jobs they've been working for 20 years. And, you know, they don't know what the future holds for them. Those were good paying jobs. Six-figure incomes. They're gone. Uh, that they, they, I don't know. They don't know, especially when you get to That's our age. Worry. Like, I'm sorry. You know, if and when the job comes back and they have to rehire, are they going to stick with the older people that cost more money, or they're going to hire the new younger people? They're cheaper. Well, no, do you wind up? Do you wind up dipping yep. into the and kids' college you fund that you've been saving mortgage, for? Mortgage or sell something you worked really hard for, or let the kids down, saying you're they're going to have to pay for their own weddings in college, and you know this is a traumatizing time. I don't think people are letting people experience the grief. If anyone speaks out loud about the grief they are feeling about this, they're getting jumped on as if they don't care about um, anyone else. But, you know, you're allowed to feel grief right now. You are allowed to feel like your world is coming apart because it is. And it's beyond our control. And that's the hardest thing right now. None of us can do anything about it. Well, and it's not like they can go over and spend time with a friend. 
but yeah, in, in a time when a world really, when the world really needs to yep. go to the bar and have a drink, they can't. And that's, it's a tough thing. Um, so I'll read the next one too, since you did two in a row. And I, I don't know the answers folks. And, you know, I said it this week, I don't know, no one's asking me and, and I don't know what's right. I don't know if we need to get right back to it or if we need to wait longer. I don't know. And I'm not going to be somebody. Mm-hmm. I've already been wrong about this in the beginning. I don't need like, to be you know, wrong about it I anymore. Not, I know right? I kind of disagreed with it at first. And I thought, no, it's a little bit bigger deal than we realized. And, but that's the thing is learning and growing. But you have to give people the chance to talk out loud and say how they're feeling. Because, you know, maybe this person will take go back, you know, tomorrow next year next month 10 years from now and re-listen that podcast and be like you know what maybe i wasn't right but that's how i was feeling at that moment and and it's justified and it's living history and i I don't have to agree with it but this is their truth right now and um i think it could have been done a little bit more tactfully but instead it just came off as a vendetta against you know vance and kevin which was what it really was I know this is probably not one that a person that you particularly like that I picked, <laughs> but I did. So this is from the esteemed Caitlin Bennett. Uh, and if you don't know about her, she's someone mm-hmm. that promotes firearms, I think, uh, and goes on college campuses and speaks. But in my opinion, she just goes on college campuses so she can cry about people being mean to her. Or Caitlin Bennett says, honestly, letting women vote in this country wasn't one of the best ideas. Females vote with emotion and overwhelmingly support democratic feel-good policies that take away our actual rights. I'd rather lose my right to vote than lose my right to defend myself with a firearm. Oh, honey. Oh, honey. Um, Oh, honey. Oh, you want me to go? Oh, honey. <laughs> honey. Oh, you know, at first, like, I would, if, if I didn't see her picture and her name along with I would have thought the transformed wife had written this. Uh, yeah. You know, honestly, like, there's some things I've oh, seen I know. on. I've seen a I few know. of her things. I don't follow her because I, I, I don't really interact with politics too much on Twitter anymore. It's always a shit show. I love my firearms. I love to shoot. I love to go pew pew. But, um, and so, you know, I agree with her some things. Um, I do think some things go a little bit far, but if, if she really thinks that if women had never got the right to vote, if we would also had first rights to our firearms, she is smoking some good shit because back when women couldn't vote, we were also property and we had no ownership of anything. Yep. And um, there's no saying we would have been, had our right to defend ourselves with a firearm. We had a right to sit there and cook dinner and sew all day. Um, you know, it's, you know, I, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily think females vote with emotion. I think they vote with what feels important to them right now. And when you have a political party that's actively trying to uh, violate a few women's rights and I'm not saying that the GOP has always been that way but there's a few characters in it right now that do you're not going to find these women voting more conservative until that changes and um, yeah just oh honey 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 
<laughs> I I don't like this individual very much. Um, I do like what she represents to a degree. I have, I own guns. Uh, I like to hunt. I like to shoot. Uh, I'm not a believer in concealed carry. I think it's fine if someone else wants to conceal carry, but I'm not going to. Uh, I don't. Um, but I can see where people, you know, would want to or whatever. I mean, that that's fine. I'm an individualist. I, you know, this was a stupid, stupid thing to say. And it's pandering. Uh, it's but pandering yet it's mind. not her first time. Definitely pandering. And I, you know, she, she is going, she's one of those people that wants attention. And when there isn't enough coming her way, she's going to pander mm-hmm. to draw it back to her way. And I've encountered a few people like that on social media. Mm-hmm. And they generally stick with what works, right? So I would, uh, that I mean, that's just basically my take on it. I don't, you know, I thought it was an interesting post. I don't feel like going back 100 years. I don't think women vote with emotion. I think they select a candidate that for the same reasons a man might. I, I agree with you that some people in the Republican Party have done a poor job of reaching out to women and women voters and listening to what's important to them mm-hmm. but that's not the only demographic that they failed to do so that apply, listen to this and think so. out like some you know if, you know as i said a good week is when i'm called a maga cunt and a liberal bitch all on the same day uh, you know it, it's it's <laughs> i have as i get older i distrust all political parties and all political systems and you know i have a lot of issues with both sides so that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Okay. Um, All right. So this is from Badger and he's on Twitter uh, at Born Bullish. And uh, this kind of like uh, coincides with the previous tweet perfectly. Unpopular opinion. Women's groups can stop talking about diversity and start talking about marketing trading. We already know that we are the odd man out in this industry. So give women a platform to voice their market views. Get the next generation interested in what we actually do. Well, as a man of ag twitter i'm gonna give my (laughs) expert opinion (laughs) Um, so i uh Mm -hmm. you know i I agree with her Uh, i really do i've thought about this a lot this of all the posts we're going to cover uh tonight this post is the one i thought the most about and she's right. Uh, basically, you know, at some point we have to make this step where we literally are, we're no longer talking about the differences and we're starting to look at how we're the same. And we're valuing each other the same. And I believe most of us already do mm-hmm. that. There are outliers, um, and I think there may always be, but I do agree with her, and I do see women in ag. You know, we, we've got a She's young lady it. on Ag of the World right now 
uh, relatable, down to earth. Laura is is just kicking butt over there, and uh, definitely a young person that will be representing agriculture. Definitely, uh, she's got a big future. Twenty and thirty years, and yes, and awesome that yeah. she will be because that's the kind of people we need. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm sure like a lot so, of people assume I get feel one way because of my opinion on the Oh Honey tweet above. But I have to agree with her. I'm, you know, my only thing is I would have stayed away from the word diversity just in my teacher's training so that implies something different. But I think as women, you know, we have made it very clear that we are the elephant in the room. We are a small minority, but we're growing. And at some point, you know, I, you got to beat them at their own game, if you know what I mean. You know, when I was growing up, I was always the girl who could take out the boys and and do better than them at certain things. And one of the ways you have to do it is by just being better and taking it seriously and showing what you know. Um, and I think she's right. We need to start having a voice in this industry by sharing our market views and what we can bring to it rather than uh, focusing on the fact that we are the minority in the industry. And um, as long as we're constantly focusing on the fact that we're the minority in the industry, you're going to have those outliers you're mentioning always bristling and complaining against us. And it's always going to be that fight rather than us starting to work together. And the, the best things we can do is make increase our allies or increase the relationship amongst our allies, push those sort of people out and just take the bull by the horns for lack of better terms and start running with it. Okay, so the next one, I want to, they're both from Twitter, and I want to do them kind of together. Uh, <laughs> one for time, and two, because they kind of fit, if you looked at them both. And uh, while you do that, I'm going to go okay. get another one of these crappy first. white claws. All right, so the first, th- these two are going together, and you want Steve and Eamons to go okay. together, right? And probably say Eamons' name wrong. So, uh, Steve says, I don't feel sorry for anyone that doesn't get what they yes. want at the grocery store. You didn't even realize what's been happening to your food sources for years. You never cared about me feeding my family. Now I'm supposed to be worried about you feeding yours. And then uh, these tweets were unrelated, but they kind of go together like bookends really well. And Eamon Castles, he's an Irish farmer. Um, I I like the guy. He looks like half of my relatives over in Ireland. Anyway, uh, hot take. If you are a farmer that can't cook, then you don't get to complain about consumers' food purchasing choices. I guess, you know, should we care if people can't get the food they want? Let's start with Steve and Frida's tweet. We don't have to care. I mean, I saw a post today, you know, do we have to like China? I think that was from Jared McDaniel. Do we have to be friends with China or like China to sell them stuff? I suppose not. You don't have to hate them either to sell them stuff. Uh, I, I guess... I don't get the whole quid pro quo thing. Like, and the same thing with Steve, you don't, you can still care if you want to. Uh, I've understood this about people. And I guess I never will about, you know, should we care if the consumers get what they need because they don't care if we don't make any money when we're producing their food. <laughs> I care without quid pro quo. All right, I don't need somebody to care back for me to give a shit. And if that's the only reason you give a shit, if the only reason you do something is because you're going to get it reciprocated, 
then don't do it. Because that's not why you do things. I mean, I, I, I that's not how I operate. That's not the people I keep in my inner circle of friends. Uh, I don't do things for a friend. I don't do things for people because I expect something in return. That's not the reason you should do something. That's not the reason you should produce food because you expect to be appreciated or you expect people to care. They're not going to care. You know, I bet Steve Frieda buys sneakers and somewhere there's in Indonesia, there's a kid making sneakers for 10 cents an hour. And I doubt he gives too much of a shit how hard their life is. Okay. So yeah, consumers don't care it's, when they don't see what like you're everyone doing. Everyone doesn't really understand about every single thing in life and expecting everyone to understand every single point is, is impossible. And, I think a lot of producers think that just because they grow food, that makes them special because it's something that everyone needs. But in reality, you are a business and you are providing a service. And in the end, it's no special than any others. It reminds me when um, I was a young ag teacher, I was very proud to be an agriculture teacher. And I thought because there was agriculture in front of teacher, that made me a very special teacher. And so I'd be very proud. Uh, you know, I, I'm an ag teacher. Like that made me somehow like more special. And, um, and then that reality hit as I got older, like, shit, I'm nobody. And um, I think that happens a lot with farming that we do provide such a basic need. But in the end, we are just another service. And everyone cannot understand the troubles and tribulations that we are facing. And to expect them to do so, especially when they have their own issues, they're trying to feed their families, they're trying to get on with their own life, and they have troubles with their own work. It's just, you know, it's just impossible, and it, it, it's kind of self-serving to think that they should. Whoever grew this <laughs> second white claw can go eat a bag of dicks. Back to dicks again. God, why am I drinking the second? Because I don't have any cold beer. That's why. Because my <laughs> beer is in my broken refrigerator, see? So I'm stuck with beer. cold white claw or hot beer, and it's it's close. It's close. Yeah, probably should have. Uh, it's too late now. Okay, so the second part of this uh, from Ian, Eamon that sells, uh, you know, hot take. If you are a farmer that can't cook and then, you know, you, you explain the tweet. I guess I don't understand. I, I appreciate him hashtagging it. He did hashtag the no shit show. Uh, I don't know that I agree, uh, you know, that if you can't cook, you shouldn't complain about consumers food purchasing choices is I, you know a person's taste or what they like to eat their favorite food their cuisine choice really doesn't have anything to do necessarily with how you grow your food cook all my meals i'd be happy no i hate cooking cooking can suck a dick yeah that'd be great i (laughs) i enjoy cooking you know, people are going to be like, man, Michelle and Conrad got bombed on fucking White Claws and Mike's Heart and Lemonade. Not the first time fucked I fucked up, up a podcast while drinking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, I don't know. Uh, but uh, even And I if we're not saying your name right, can you tell us? I appreciate us? you listening, I, man. I'm like, some generations sure. removed from Ireland that uh, sometimes I get yeah. names wrong. <laughs> that is at Eamon. Yeah for prez so give him a follow folks and i, I don't know what you're running for with president but man ever but good luck with it buddy 
Okay. So, well, uh, Michelle Jones is a terrific follow mm-hmm. on Instagram and, and on yes, Twitter. And I believe that's farmer. her Twitter handle as well. At Big, You know, earlier this week on Twitter, I posted that I was dedicating this show to the people that have faced financial uh, challenges or, you know, loss of income, loss of a job or being laid off or furloughed uh, during this time. Uh, of shelter in place and what we've been dealing with, with coronavirus. Um, And, you know, I was looking at our show and like our previous four episodes and the plays that we've had. And the show has Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, been during this time. Well, she's right. I mean, it, the fact of the matter is, you know, the moments that we are experiencing right now, the times we're in right now, this will eventually pass. Mm-hmm. And the world may be, may be a little different uh, by then, but I think we can, you know, I hope that we can return to some kind of a, a society and a life that we were familiar to before um and i think this post kind of speaks to that you know there's certainly been a lot tougher times that that church stood through than what we're facing today and yep you know it got better yeah i have to admit that post not much makes me emotional but that one's towards the end was starting to get to me because we have so many great monuments around us that have survived so much and seen so much. And yet we're still here. We're carrying on. And through the uncertainty of it all, we'll get better in the end. And, you know, our homes will still be standing. Maybe we will or will not be in them, but we'll still have our families and we'll still all of ourselves. And we'll still have those monuments to look at. You know, to anyone out there listening, I just want to really say thank you for listening to us, for being a part of our, you know, family here at the No Shit Show, for interacting with us on social media, for being a part of our lives, and for supporting us. I don't know how I can ever really express how much gratitude we both have, you and I, for the people that have supported us with this, Mm -hmm. but it's been pretty amazing so far beyond the, the support has been beyond my expectations and I, and I'm humbled and I'm grateful. (laughs) I'll let you cover the last one. And this one, this one's kind of special because it's someone we both know. And uh, I like this one, not because it's a hot take or it's just something I think about. And this is from big sky farmer farm her on Instagram and she posted a picture a really beautiful old white old church in Montana and you can see uh, reflecting on the window uh, clouds and blue sky you know the perfect Montana sky and it says for over 100 years this church has watched the landscape change the world's evolved it's been droughts floods blizzards fires booms and busts it stood by through the Spanish flu in one of its first years of existence Watched in the mid-20s as many young area kids died of pneumonia, including my great-uncle. The Great Depression, World War II, Vietnam, and so much more. 
As another spring begins and the countryside surrounding the church on the hill turns tints of green and tractors start to roll by, I wonder if these walls know the uncertainty and turmoil that surround it. I wonder if it feels the stress of the countryside. But despite, oops, I lost my thing. But despite all that goes on, and even though the doors of this church are rarely open, usually just for a feast of the Assumption in August, her presence on the top of the hill is comforting. A comforting sign of all we've overcome, all we've survived, and all it's seen. As time marches on, it's comforting to gaze as this church and it's comforting to gauge as this church and take a few minutes to breathe. This too shall pass. There was, and we had three people hashtag our show that we got to. Uh, okay. Well, um, I think that, oh, and yeah, the winning tweet that this is week is we don't have a winning tweet. <laughs> no win. There was, there was plenty of good stuff about her. So. And we really appreciate that. And don't forget, folks, to hashtag the no shit show with a hot take and we'll jump on it uh, on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter and we'll talk about it um, if we can possibly fit it in. And I yeah, there was great content this week. I, I'm like I said, I, I'm so excited to be doing this with you. And to be, you know, to have we're really lucky, and to give have, a huge shout out uh, for those of you guys who so. listen to our podcast but don't know who the, the person I'm going to mention is. Our friend Rob Sharkey just started a television show this week on RFD TV, and it's on I think Tuesday nights at six thirty my time, so that would be Oregon time. So if you have not heard of it, check it out. He's always a great friend to everyone in Ag, and has done a great job of promoting us and promoting anyone who has anything to do positively for Ag. Really sets the example of how to not forget people and how to remember, you know, mm-hmm. I guess not to give a perceived slight. You know, he does a great job of taking care of people and 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 lifting people up. And uh, well, you know, he also the exact opposite lists of what this show kind of does. So. So. 